Mm. Welcome to Spilling the Broadway Tea. The Do that again. Okay. This is Spilling the <laughs> I, like, snorted right as we started. Watch, I'm naturally leave this in. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Spilling the Broadway Tea, the podcast where we talk about musicals. Hi. I'm Kaylee. And I'm Ian. And we've had a little bit of self-imposed uh, break from the podcast for the last couple of weeks because we've been so busy. Ugh. Yeah. Don't Ian, get me started. Ian was music directing Newsies, and I was finishing school. I was f- doing finals. Yeah. And and we, uh, I have one day left of school. That's rough. It's so sickening. We have to go on Memorial Day. That seems illegal. It, it does. It's a national holiday. I know, right? Anyway. So, <laughs> but we're back and we've had, you know, lots of feedback and stuff from listeners who've listened to the podcast so far. So that's been really cool as episodes mm-hmm. have come out. Yeah. And it's really exciting. Yeah. We've got a patreon page now going to raise some money for a new microphone and and just to keep the cost of the podcast going because you know we have to pay every month so if you want to check that out you should it's byt patreon but we want to thank brian altschul he's our first patreon subscriber person and yeah with his donation he's earned a mention on the podcast so uh, there it was. Yeah, there Congratulations. it was. Congratulations. You know, see, okay, Brian is really cool. Back when I used to do the other podcast about cruising, um, he listened, and we kind of got to know him through that via the internet. And then we went to New York mm-hmm. one time, and he, we met up with Brian there, and we had barbecue, and we chatted, and he was super awesome. And then uh, he's really into Broadway musicals, and he goes yep. and sees stuff all the time, and makes me jealous because he went to see Hades Town recently. We're not going to talk about that. And, um, so I'm always seeing his posts online about whatever show he's going to see. And he actually went and saw the Paper Mill Playhouse version of the show that we're going to talk about today. Oh, cool. Yes, which is... All right, well, thank you, Brian. Yes, thank you, Brian. Altschul, that's okay. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, the show we're going to talk about today is The Hunchback of Notre Dame. into it all right Ian Hunchback of Notre Dame what originally drew you to this show um well so I didn't grow up with the movie like it was definitely there but it wasn't one that I watched a lot but uh when I was like an early teen I think me and my friends watched it once uh just because it was on Netflix and we realized like oh crap this movie's like pretty good like yes it has its tone issues but it, it was a really good movie that we uh, were su- surprised by. And um, so then I, I started researching it more and found out it was finally coming back to uh, the U.S. Um, in, on stage. And they were eventually going to release a cast recording. And so I was waiting for that to come out when it finally did. Um, I've loved it. it was, it's, uh, it's, I would say it's probably in my tops of musicals. I really love the score of it. It's got some great music. But um, yeah. And then I did it. Um, about a year ago, or a little over a year ago, I was Clopin, and that was a really great experience. Um, it was a really good role for you. Thank you. Like it suited you. I thought so too. Yeah. So, um, I my first exposure to Hunchback of Notre Dame, well, in general, was the book when I was in high school. I had to read it going into my freshman year of high school, and I remember just how long 
that book felt because of the mm-hmm. descriptions of the church. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, I, I sort of liked it. I knew it was by the same guy who wrote Les Mis, and so I was sort of interested, and I wanted to like it, but the book is not my favorite. And then Disney was on their, you know, their role, their hot streak, you know, with Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin and Lion King and then Pocahontas. And then things started to get a little hairy there for, mm-hmm. <laughs> for a yeah. few. And then Hunchback of Notre Dame came out and it seemed like an odd choice for Disney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really did. And some of the advertising and some of the choices that Disney made were definitely interesting. And even now, I think looking at the musical, it's it's sometimes hard to remember that it is a Disney mm-hmm. show because it's so different from other yeah. Disney, especially on stage, you know, the way it's been adapted for stage. Mm-hmm. Well, And I personally think when they made the movie, they were making it with intent of this becoming a Broadway musical eventually. Because I think by that point, Beauty and the Beast had made it to Broadway and mm-hmm. they saw how that one of their movies could do well on Broadway, and I think they had the same goal in mind for Hunchback. Well, we should note that this didn't actually ever make it to Broadway. It did not, no. No. Which we'll get into that later. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I knew the movie. I liked the movie. I mean, I had issues with some of the stupid stuff, like the gargoyles, obviously, when the movie first came out. I'm losing to a bird. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously also the, the changes that Disney made with the story, especially at the ending. I disagree. Really? Yeah, I don't mind the the hap- not. I don't mind the way they do the ending in the movie because in the movie it, it kind of makes sense. I don't know. This time when I was I watched it the other day, again, and when Esmeralda was you know had the smoke inhalation and she's laying there and you you think that she's dead, and then suddenly she wakes up, <laughs> and then everything's happy like after Frollo accidentally falls. I don't know. Okay, I, d- I did forget that. He does, like, I mean, yeah. I don't mind it, though. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. I mean, for a Disney movie. But for a... I'm glad that the stage musical mm-hmm. went back and added the darker elements. You know, went yeah, back I closer agree. to what the book actually is. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times when I'm thinking about this show, I don't think of it in terms of it being a Disney show, because it is... It's so different, yeah. Right. It doesn't have the animal sidekick in the stage version. You know, it doesn't have that. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> Those the gargoyles, like. Well, they kind of do in the show, but they're, they're much, they're much, they're. It's more like a Greek chorus. Yeah. It's very different. But so yeah, that's a very long-winded way of my, yeah. <laughs> my introduction. You to know, it, it's a complicated show. It's a long-winded book. Uh, it is. It deserves it. It deserves a little bit of discussion. But, yeah, that's what drew it to me. And I really love the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this was based on, like you said, uh, a Victor Hugo book, which was a different name, Notre Dame de Paris, not actually called The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Um, mm-hmm. I think a later edition, like an American version, changed that, which I'm pretty sure uh, Hugo was not happy about. But anyway, um, the uh, Notre Dame de Paris is not... It, it does contain the story, of Quasimodo, Frollo, and uh, Esmeralda, but it's not really about them. No. It is much more um, an appreciation of the architecture. Of the church. Of the church. And it should be noted that this podcast is being recorded oh, yeah. after the tragedy. Mm-hmm. I forgot. Yeah. So just a few weeks ago, we're recording this in late May, obviously. It's mm-hmm. almost Memorial Day. It was it, uh, mid-April, I think. 
I thought it was right around my birthday, but either way. It, it was Palm Sunday, right before Easter. There was a terrible tragedy fire in Notre Dame and burned yeah. the roof out. And yeah, we're just so grateful that it wasn't mm -hmm. more destroyed. Yeah. I think they said it should be restored within six years. Yeah, it's crazy though. Which is um, seems like a short time for, for something for such a big, massive church. I think so many people have donated so mm -hmm. much yeah, money. Yeah, exactly. That it's really important to the French people. They want, which it wasn't. You know, that's why. Yeah, he wrote yeah, this that, book. that's exactly. It was because mm -hmm. when he wrote this, it was um, Victor Hugo going back. It was not. It was looking kind of shabby. Shabby. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was broken down. Um, because historical preservation was not a thing. Right, and people were more you know, concerned with new architecture, building new mm -hmm. things that yeah. were nice and shiny and stuff. And this was seen as kind of a tired old relic yeah. that was an eyesore even, like mm -hmm. wasn't anything worth preserving. And so Victor Hugo wrote this book with the intent of trying to save and preserve mm -hmm. the church. And he did. So he'd be proud today. He would be, yeah. So yeah, original book. Yeah, and then uh, there were uh, through many adaptations. There were many movies made out of it. Um, actually, even Victor Hugo re rewrote it as a play. Uh, I think it was called La Esmeralda, mm -hmm. and that was just he actually changed some of the ending. I think there he, I think the ending changed there. I'm pretty sure that's where we get the first uh, Judge Claude Frollo, Judge Claude Frollo instead of um, Archbishop. The Archbishop, yeah. yeah. And um, there were many movies, and then eventually in ninety four, ninety six. 96, I, I think it was 96. Yeah. 94 was Lion King. Yep. 96. Disney finally... Finally? I don't know. Not finally. They just did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, so, it didn't do that well as a movie. And then eventually... But, I mean, they had always had an eye for Broadway or for a stage version of it. And so it eventually made it to uh, a German stage. And they... um. If you know the show and you go watch or listen to the German version, it's very much like a midway point between the movie mm -hmm. and the final product that product we saw, that was yeah, that was Broadway. released off Broadway, um, which is very interesting to watch because it's it's if you like watching the conception of a of a musical, it's really interesting for that because there are some of the elements like the gargoyles are still there from the movie as the three sidekicks in Germany, but um. There are new elements, there are new songs that were added, like Made of Stone appears in the German version, Quasimodo's big solo at the end. But yeah, it was really really interesting. There were a lot of things rewritten. And the biggest thing I believe that changed between the two is, is the framing of it. Yeah, yeah. Because in the German version, we have, it's similar to the movie where uh, Clopin is telling the story mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of shaping where the story goes. Uh, I think in the German version, he's like an old man looking yeah, back, and looking then it's back, this yeah. flashback thing. And in the... When we move over to U the U.S. Yeah, the current iteration, it's more of... Um, a Greek chorus. Right, and a group of actors it. that mm -hmm. are doing it passion play style yeah. in a church. In a church, yeah. And, and it's definitely very much like we're not the actual people. We are putting this on mm -hmm. with the idea of presenting this theme, who is a monster, yeah. and what does that yeah. mean? Mm -hmm. and, and I like those changes but i also like the I framing really, of clopin yeah, yeah, I do. I, exactly I like that's how i feel especially having been clopin uh -huh. i wish more of clopin's framing was still there i, I feel like they cut him down a little bit too much than well, they needed more depth to. to that character if he's if he's the framing, framing. Yeah, yeah yeah but mm. yeah and but it is on youtube so it's interesting to go see they did some yeah. really cool things with some boxes as far as set goes 
for that. And it ran for a long time. It was very successful in Germany, yeah. mm -hmm. which is why they thought you know, it would come over to the U.S. and it would be successful and they'd yeah. be able to put it up on Broadway. But, but um, it did not make it to Broadway. No, it started and, um, at what, La Jolla? Is that how you say it? Yeah, La Jolla. Yeah, La Jolla. In California. And then it came over uh, to Paper Mill for a limited run at Paper Mill, yeah. and they made a cast recording. Um, and people, I, I think most people expected it after Paper Mill to go to Broadway, but it just didn't. And there was never really any real reason given, but most people speculated that it was um, due to the... Well, this show contains like a 32-member choir mm -hmm. in the back that they're just there singing. And a lot of people believe it did not make it to Broadway because the equity would require that they be paid as actors, and that would have been too much. Yeah, too expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, but everyone really did expect it to go. Uh, Michael Arden, who played Quasimodo, basically went on a big Twitter rant when mm, it didn't yeah. about how he felt like, you know, I can't remember the words he actually said, but it was something about, you know, a lot of years down the drain, you know, something yeah. he'd worked so hard for. And he's not really acted anymore. No, he's directed. He's directed, but he kind of stopped acting after Hunchback. Mm-hmm. I think he got burned. Yeah. But, yeah, they expected it to go. And the thing is, is that it's not unheard of for a choir to go to Broadway without being paid like equity. They did it before in Joseph, but yeah. I guess as, you know, as things adapt and change, you mm. know, it, you Maybe. see it more and more shows trying to strip down the, yeah. the ensemble to as small as they can get it with all of the doubling and everything. Yeah. I mean, think about Hadestown, how, how, what they do with so few people mm -hmm. on that yeah. stage. And well, stuff. I think what the difference between like Hunchback and Joseph is that Hunchback, the choir is so big of an element in right. the show, where in Joseph there may be in a few songs. In Hunchback, they're in every song. The whole thing. And th they're songs that's just them. Yeah. Like, they're like they're like the score. They're half the, the band, essentially. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, honestly, if you think about the work that would have to go into being a chorus member on Broadway mm -hmm. in Hunchback, you'd have to be on vocal rest all day. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you might as well get paid like an equity actor, like you should. Yeah. It makes sense. It does. Yeah. It's a very it's a very demanding and challenging score. Right. So it is a shame that and also the other thing is, you know, the fact that people saw it as a Disney show. Yeah. And would it draw the audience that could pay for that choir? And I think Disney still owned it to it to it. Because when you license it now, you're still licensing it from Disney. Right. So Disney still had their hands on it, so. Yeah. And people are like, this is not a Mary Poppins that people are going to bring their children to when they come to New York City. Yeah. The audience for Hunchback is people like me and you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. People who like something like Sweeney Todd, um, a lot of Sondheim, dark, start dark Sondheim. But they're going to be turned off to it because it is Disney's yeah. the Hunchback of Notre but Dame. But even then, if you watch it. There's, if you watch they it, they took all of it out. They did. There's no Disney in it. But having to, like convincing the average person yeah. of that, yeah, yeah, it's a hard sell. It is. I wonder if if one day it will be quote unquote revived to Broadway. If it will have that choir. If oh, it will. That's horrible. What? It'll be revived and it won't be eligible for score, best musical. It'll be like there for revival. Would it? Yeah, because I I think if if it has a notable enough. Maybe not. No, because, uh, like, Hadestown was off-Broadway. I think it depends on, like, the Outer Critics Circle Awards. No, but... no, no, but, like, because it already, like, it, it's it's ended. If it were to come back in a few years, it would probably be a, a revival. Hmm. Because I, I, 
there's like a certain qualification like if it has a notable enough mm-hmm. off broadway re- revival and if it's known enough it doesn't come back as a be- as, as an a original musical. musical yeah but it I would may, be, it may qualify, yeah i would yeah. be interested to see if what they would do if they'd strip back that chorus a little bit or if they who knows Maybe they'd record it. I don't know. Clearly, they're making money off of the licensing of the rights of it, right? Oh, yeah, because people are... It it went on MTI, and people went, give me it. Give me. Now. (laughs) Give me, give me. (laughs) Well, you know, local people are like, I want to sing in that chorus, please. (laughs) Like, don't you don't have to pay Mm -hmm. me. Community theaters, yeah. I mean, just think about it. It's perfect for, for churches and stuff. Like, I mean, sure, it's a little racy, but not so much that... That we're not doing it in southern Louisiana. It's, it's, you know. Yeah. Once a year we throw a party here in town. Once a year we turn all Paris upside down. Every man's a king and every king's a clown. Once again it's topsy turvy day. It's the day the devil in us gets released. It's the day we mock the prig and shock the priest. Everything is topsy-turvy at the Feast of Fools. Okay, well, um, the story revolves around the hunchback Quasimodo, um, who is living, uh, he is Frollo's nephew, you learn this, um, which is a change from the movie. From the movie um, yeah. In the movie, learn- he was just a gypsy child mm-hmm. that Frollo was going to, like, toss down a well, and the guy was like, no. Yeah. In the show they in give the show, him yeah, some... The, you, you see Frollo and uh, Frollo's brother, Jehan, his backstory, and how, um, Jehan has a son and then dies and Frollo's left with um, Quasimodo. But he's still gypsy. He still is a gypsy child, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's deformed. He has a hunch. Um, and so I think it opens with uh, the Feast of Fools, which Quasimodo wants to go to. Eventually he does sneak out and go. He's a lot of fun um, in the outside world until he gets, you know... Ridiculed. Ridiculed, yeah. For looking um, the way he does. He meets uh, Esmeralda, a gypsy. Um, we are also introduced to Phoebus, uh, the captain of the guard, who's just come back from war. And we're introduced um, formally to Clopin, the uh, the, uh, the king of the gypsies. Mm-hmm. But it goes bad for it, Quasimodo. It does go bad. Um, he gets locked back in the tower. Eventually, him and Esmeral- Esmeralda finds him. They become, a, they become friends. Uh, and then we get a lot of... Um, a lot of songs about people being in love with Esmeralda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they all three fall in. All three boys fall in love with her. Frollo, mm-hmm. Quasimodo, and, and um, Phoebus. And we end Act One with um, Frollo essentially burning down Paris, trying to find her, um, because he decides if he can't have her, yeah, then she will burn. Yeah. Uh, and so then in Act Two, uh, Paris is burned, and Esmeralda's still on the run. Eventually, Phoebus and Quasimodo track her down um, into the, uh, the what is it called? Court the Court of Miracles. Yeah. And unwittingly lead Frollo Yeah, there. they lead Frollo. And then Frollo gets all the gypsies and Esmeralda and Phoebus. And uh, as... So they're going to her execution. Her... What do you call that? What, burning at the stake? Yeah. There's like pyre? pyre? Yeah, pyre, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. There's like a word. I can't think I of it. I think it's pyre. No, like, but there's like a, like, a, like a verb or something. Oh. I don't know. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, and so Quasimodo saves her, but she's been the smoke she, inhalation. she eventually dies of smoke inhalation. Um, he throws Frollo off the off the bell tower, which I like. I prefer him to throw uh, Frollo than Frollo okay. just to slip and 
he doesn't slip. He stand in the movie. He stands on like a, on a like gargoyle head. A gargoyle head, and it breaks. Yeah. Dumbass. <laughs> well, and then as he's falling, the gargoyles like come to life and like you know like. The, I think yeah. that's just like a like a cinematic like it's not I real, know. but I know. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah, eventually, uh, so Esmeralda uh, has died, and f- uh, Quasimodo he carries her body into the courtyard, but then eventually years later, um. At this point in the show, at the very end, the actors, they dropped their characters, they took off their costumes, and um, the actor who played Quasimodo reveals that years later, um, two skeletons were found crips in the crypts of Notre Dame. Um, what's the whole line? I'm trying <laughs> it's to think something of it. like yeah. one with a hunch. And, uh, one, yeah. one with, uh, with a uh, crooked spinal column. Yeah. And they're like, they're like I googled embraced. that to see if it was real. I really did. After the show, I was like, did this happen? Did it? No. Oh. <laughs> I really wanted it to be true. Yeah, and, um, so eventually he died holding her body, which is kind of creepy, but, you know. Yeah, starvation. Yeah. That's that's dark. Yeah. And we don't really know what happens to Phoebus or anything. He just kind of... Yeah. I imagine he dies soon, because in- he gets injured. He can't really be a soldier anymore. He gets... I don't know. He probably becomes a gypsy and joins the gypsies, I guess. That mm-hmm. could happen. They do accept him, kind of, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. I always imagine him just going off with, with um, Plopin. <laughs> it's a buddy movie. It's a buddy. <laughs> That's what Hunch, Hunchback 2 should have been. To be Phoebus and Clopin on the road. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Anyway. You should write that, Ian. I'm not going to write that. <laughs> All right. So that is the plot. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about composers and okay, well, where um, this came from. I think this is this is uh, written by Alan Menken, the score. I think this is clearly his best score. I agree. Of all of, he's done a lot of good, mm-hmm. but I think Hunchback is his is his peak. Um, it's lyrics by Stephen Schwartz, another um, one of my favorite composers. Um, honestly, a, a really powerful writing team there. Right, they're both super proud of mm-hmm. this too. If you ever hear yeah. him talk about this show in interviews and stuff, like mm-hmm. Stephen Schwartz goes on and on. Oh yeah. I think he said that he felt like this was his strongest. Really? Stephen yeah. Schwartz, too? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Music's really great. Yeah, it's... It's... Uh, it's fabulous. Well, it's interesting because we get, like... Alan Menken, you know, he did Little Mermaid and, um, and Aladdin and stuff with Tim Rice. And Tim Rice is amazing. And then Stephen Schwartz had done some other things... Disney movies. What else did he? He do? was in Pocahontas. He uh, yeah. He wrote songs in Pocahontas. Yeah, but I think the two of them together for this, and the fact that they were given the freedom to do this choral music sound, mm-hmm. it's such an interesting sound. Like there's nothing really, else. Yeah, it, like you said, it kind of sounds like Sweeney Todd, in some ways, like because you have that large choral. Yeah. Almost. You know, church sound, mm-hmm. to this. It's like. But it, it's more flowery than Sondheim. Um, definitely. It's definitely. it's much more um, easy to listen to. Yeah. But there, there's a lot of intelligence to these songs. So yeah. do we want to go through the songs a little bit? And okay, sure. Talk about... Do you have the list up? I don't. Oh, I do. Um, so it opens with The Bells of Notre Dame, which is, I think... If not if not my favorite, it's like my second favorite. See, so we start with... Um, well, actually, we start with uh, an, uh, like a precursor to that, um, Olim. Do you know that that's actually in the movie? 
Yes, it is. Yeah, when it's I was before the credits. When I was watching mm-hmm. the movie the other day, I was I did, like, yeah, I remember, oh, this is in there. Right after we did it, I went and watched the movie again mm-hmm. just to like, and it started, and I went, oh, mm-hmm. this is in the movie. Um, and it's it's like a it's a it's essentially a prayer, I think, mm-hmm. about like the end of times. If you if you look at the actual translation, it's really dark. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we get into the Bells of Notre Dame, which um, is a beautiful, creepy waltz. It's one of my favorite sequences in any, like, it's, opening it's, sequences yeah, exactly. in any, like, Disney movie. Yeah. The way it combines the story, the introduction of characters, and this... And um, ties it back to Notre Dame. To Notre Dame, mm-hmm. and then this motif through the yeah. whole thing of, uh, in theme of monster, who is the monster and who is the mm-hmm. man and all that. It really sets everything and up. And we get the uh, the dark hellfire motif. Mm-hmm. The ah, uh, ah, uh, right. uh, and actually the major one, too, at the end. Um, it's a really gorgeous song, um, and in both iterations of it, it's genius. Yeah, um, I, this this is one of those songs that can bring me to like emotion, tears. Like I saw this yeah. in the theater, and I remember because this was the, one of the first uh, Disney movies that they actually did a lot with the computer um, generated stuff in order to make Notre Dame mm-hmm. look so amazing. And I remember the end of that song when Clopin hits that that note. Yeah. And then the birds fly and it shows the top of Notre Dame. Like tears yeah. came to my eyes at that point. And this the stage version, he doesn't hit that note. But he does not. <laughs> it's so sad. But just the, that music and that build to the point of all that is yeah, it's mm-hmm. very moving. Great song. <sighs> uh, so then we have um and there's many reprises of this. Mm-hmm. Um that should be noted. Then there's Sanctuary, which is a a, re- a repeated song that is essentially used for um, Frollo, mm-hmm. a bunch, uh, which is, I really enjoy it because it, it's this really, um... Is I, this the, the world is cruel, that no, part? Um, yes, that's more of, that's more in the part of out there, mm-hmm. but the really the sanctuary melody is mm-hmm. the, um, da 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 it's not in the movie. Okay. It, I think it, it certainly is called, it, it does include the rest of that, mm-hmm. um... That the intro out there, but the sanctuary melody is used a lot in the show, and it progresses until you finally get. The, I think the last one we get is um, well, there's one at the very end after Esmeralda's dead, but there's one right right before that um, where he uh, propositions Esmeralda in her jail cell. That is the creepiest you hear of it. Right. But it's it's this gorgeous um, it's this really simple melody, but it comes back a lot, and it's it's uses it's one of Frollo's like main melodies, and it's um, I really enjoy it. Okay. Uh, and then we get it goes into out there, which mm-hmm. is um, Quasimodo's, Quasimodo's big, big, yeah, big number. Big, I want number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that that's that's probably the most Disney. I think this show still retains is the the big I want song. Mm-hmm. But I I still think it's 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 different than most out most I want songs from Disney. Yeah, it stands out to me. It's very soaring. Yeah, definitely. That's probably that would be my number one. If, yeah. yeah. And you should go if you haven't listened to Michael Arden sing this song. Ooh, yeah. Oh yeah. Gosh, go listen to that. Yeah, you definitely should. That's a good song. <laughs> oh. uh, then we have we, Topsy Turvy, part one and part two. Uh, that's that's Clopin's big number. Mm-hmm. Uh, where that's like the Feast of Fools number. It's um, it's a good crowd scene. A number good crowd and scene, setup yeah. And um, setting and all that has a lot of a lot of good lyrics. And through there, we get uh, Phoebus's introduction uh, through Rest and Recreation, which I don't like. I, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of it either. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Mm. It's eh. Then uh, we have Rhythm of the Tambourine. Which, which I'm not is, crazy about either. Really? Yeah. I I enjoy this one, but I, that may be because I, like, I, I didn't do it, but I had fun 
doing stuff while this song was happening because I, I would like hang from a pole and just yeah. kind of like watch. So I had fun in it, and I I think the melody's fun. I do I like this. Like there's a gratuitous, and it doesn't really give us any information about Mesmeralda, like personally. No, but it's it's her it's a performance number. So it is, but. Um, yeah. There is a part though where they uh, in the middle where all three boys sing about her, mm-hmm. where they're all like in transpire. And I I think that part's really pretty. I, I, I like the way that's used. And then uh, there's the reprise of bells, uh, and then we get Esmeralda's big God help the outcasts. Yeah, which I'm not a big fan of. I think that song's overrated. It's all right. It's like yeah. everyone asks like that's the song of the show, and I'm like, eh. yeah, I, I yeah, it's good. It's just not my favorite. Yeah. So then Esmeralda goes up to find <laughs> Quasimodo. We don't have more to say about God Help the Outcast. I just, I don't, yeah, I mean, like, like, it's a great moment, I guess, but it's just not one of, it, if you like it, you I think like it's overrated, it. yeah. I guess, I guess it's more character revelation about Esmeralda. Yeah. I, I do, know. I do like the notion that she's asking for, you know, she's not asking for her salvation, she's asking for, like, other, right. for her people, but. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a little schmaltzy. Yeah. Uh, then there, we get a duet with uh, Esmeralda and Quasimodo called Top of the World. That's... I I really like it. It's a very a very beautiful scene It's because we also get the... Um, it's really like a... It's like a duet with Chorus because the Gargoyles come in mm-hmm. and they're um, egging you on. I can't hear the phrase Top of the World without thinking of Tucker. You no, know, it's... Um, it's uh, top, here we top. are at the top of the world. Yeah, I know. I still... One, I like that one better than... God help the outcast. Yeah, I I do enjoy that one. Um, then we get the tavern song. That's a, uh, have you have you heard this one? Yeah, this one's a lot of fun. It's fun. I love it. I love this one. It's a uh, it's a big dance. It's one of the only two dance numbers in the show. <laughs> after like after this, there's no more dancing ever. Um, it just goes dark. Then yeah. come back. <laughs> but yeah, this is when we, this is when Esmeralda and Phoebus really um start hanging out. Yeah, yeah. hooking up. And uh, Frollo is watching. He's going around. It's, it's a it's a cute, it's a cool ensemble number. And then we get what I think is perhaps the best sequence in the show. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, which is Heaven's Light into Hellfire. Yeah. Which are um that light versus dark the light versus routine. dark Heaven oh, versus yeah. Hell. Oh, it's good. Uh, major versus minor, like oh. These two songs back to back. Oh, as far as like character mm-hmm. development, yeah. I love when songs really reveal what's going on in, you know, characters' brains and stuff like that, and I think these two. Yeah. It's such an awesome contrast. It was really intelligent to put them back to back like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And just the way they, the way they transit, my favorite part is the transition, really. Because, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I do love Between both the of the songs. songs. Yeah, because yeah. because that's when we find one of the only places we get the light motif. Mm-hmm. Not light motif in the, uh, like a, like the literal yeah. light motif um, of the major version of the, uh. I can't hear it in my head, but, um, the, ah uh, thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then, like, it, like, climaxes, and we get chords, dun, dun, and then, like, then the priest sing, mm-hmm. and it starts off major, and then slowly, it keeps, like, oh, it's beautiful. So cool. Go listen to it. Ian's gonna it, play it right here. I swear it must be
So uh, then we close Act 1 with uh, Esmeralda, which is, um, I think it was added in the German version, mm-hmm. Esmeralda. It's, a, I mean, it's a, it's an intense melody. I'm, I think it's a, it's fine. Yeah, you just needed something to. Yeah, I needed to close it. Close the act. I think it does so what it can, needs to. Yeah. I think I find a lot of people love this song, and I've never been one that's. Yeah. Big on it. It's okay. I love. I love the way it. They throw in Bells of Notre Dame in places, mm-hmm. especially at the very end. Um, it's interesting. So then, uh, Act Two opens with the Entract, which interesting about this song. It's a. It's just the choir, um, and they're singing Latin or just Oz. There's mm-hmm. not really any um, English lyrics in it. Um, I think they sing. Um, they start off with, uh, I think they sing out there at some point. They sing someday, uh, but at some point they they sing a melody that's not in the show anywhere. But having listened to the German version, it, there was an opening to Act Two, that was uh, I think the translation was like, it was something about living like in the streets, like uh, all the chaos because Paris is just burned down, mm-hmm. and it was this, this really fast, creepy, um, dark melody, and that's what they use, mm. um, in there, but with different lyrics. And I, I didn't realize that until going. Yeah. Listen to the German version. Uh, so then we finally get back into the story uh, with well, flight. Di- sort of. What? This is really getting back into the story. Flight to Egypt. Yeah. Okay. I think so. Well, because it it serves the. It's how he um. Well, because there is a scene before this. Mm-hmm. There's a short scene where they come in, where Esmeralda comes in. He uh, flight to Egypt. He imagines one of the stat, one of the windows the stained glass window is coming to life, uh, St. Aphrodisius, and explaining how he saved the Holy Mother from whatever. Yeah. I I really love this song melodically. I just feel like um, this show's already a little bit long, and did we really need this? Well, here's the thing. It took the place of that awful number from the movie. Oh, the... The, the gargoyle, gargoyle song. That's what this. That's what this replaced. Yeah. Well, so I, to me, yes, and I'm like, have a sting yes, yes. Song, yeah. I think there I are mean, a few I know moments that it like it inspires Quasimodo to be like some sort of savior because if he if he's trying to mm-hmm. be like the saint or whatever, yeah, and sees himself in that role. Sure. Yeah. I like it. Okay. And it's also how he figures out the. Um, what the am- what the amulet is? Right, the That's map the, to yeah, Paris. Yeah, the map yeah. to Paris. Yeah, I I just it, I love it a lot. The music of this one is gorgeous to me. Mm-hmm. I really love it. Um, there's a reprise of Esmeralda. Reprise of Recreation. Yeah. and then we have Court of Miracles, which I. You have an issue. I have an issue because of what it it, it paints. Clopin in a bad. No, 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 not that. Okay. Because I think I think Clo- it, well, Court of Miracles is uh, not Court of Miracles. Yeah, Court of Miracles is what it's called. Um, is Clopin's second number in Act Two um, when they cut when they find the Court of Miracles and he's kind of gonna kill Quasimodo and Phoebus for trespassing. Just kind of. Just kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, just kind of. I like the song. I really like it a lot better in the musical than it is in the movie. Mm-hmm. My issue with it is that this is where Disney does cross the line with the stereotype of the gypsies. Yeah. So, I, because I think at no point do they actually, like, give in to the, oh, yeah, gypsies are kind of, like, evil, but here they kind of do. Yeah. And so, it's a great song. It's a great moment for Clopin. I think there's a way to direct it or whatever to where it doesn't have to feed into that as much. Because, I mean, Clopin has every reason to be suspicious of Phoebus and Quasimodo. Mm. Yeah, but even, like, it's in the lyrics. Mm. The issues are in the lyrics. 
where like they're just gonna kill you because we don't know you. They seriously say that. Uh, in, in other words, okay. like um, I can't remember the lyrics, but like in in basically those words, they're like, uh, we don't trust you, so we're gonna kill you. It, okay. It's pretty like, oh, uh. mm. but I think it's it's a great song. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um, then we have uh, In a Place of Miracles, which is a trio with chorus, well, mm -hmm. quartet with chorus. Um, uh, this is the love duet if we're going to get one. It's, it, it's the love duet with Quasimodo watching in the background. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he sing he reprises Heaven's Light. S very sadly. This is where this show really starts dragging for me. Yeah, I yeah. think this song, this song drags a little. We don't need this one. Yeah. Um, and then it ends with, uh, at the very end, Frollo finds them. Yep. Um, we get another reprise of, no of Bells. And then Someday. Uh, like Someday. Someday is a good song. Uh, that's the, it was originally cut from the movie, and it's in the credits of the movie, actually. Yeah. Um, sung by, like, some popular artist, I don't remember who. I don't either. Some popular artist of the 90, of 96, like. <laughs> that's, uh, Phoebus and Esmeralda. That's their, you know, they're hoping for... Someday, life will be better. Plot twist. That never comes. It doesn't happen. Uh, at least not for Esmeralda. Maybe for Phoebus. Mm -hmm. And then finally we get to... <laughs> Made of Stone. Yeah. I love this song. I do think, though, it's asking a lot of an actor. It is. To belt a B-flat for seven measures. Oof. I don't think we needed that. This is this is one of those songs where I'm like, where I look at writers and I'm like, why are you demanding this of people? Right. This is not healthy. Yeah. It's a very high song. That yeah, um, it's a very good song. Um, this is what Quasimodo's essentially given up on saving on it's helping. True eleven o'clock number. That's for oh, sure. Oh, that yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> eleven o'clock number. Yep. Yeah. And this is like every guy who wants to be Quasimodo. <laughs> Like, I think this is that song that they picture in their minds, like, I'm going to kill that thing. You See, know, like, no. Because you know, when, so? when I auditioned for the show, I wanted Quasimodo, and I wanted it for Out There. Oh, I really? wanted to sing Out There. I don't know. This one shows so much, like, character development, like, it does. stuff. It does, but I was like, like B-flat. It's turn or something. I was like, B-flat? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what attracted me. I was like, I want to sing Out There. I want to sing Heaven's Light. Made of Stone yeah. was just like, okay. That too, I guess. I don't know. I just feel like... It's one of those things, like, if you can do that, you can do anything. I don't know. I don't know what it is about Made of Snow. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I like it. I think it's a good song. It just, it's never mm -hmm. one that's, like, attracted me that much. As, like, uh, see it, whereas, like, I see Goodbye and Catch Me If You Can, and I'm like, I'm going to sing that B-flat one day. Yeah. That's different to me, though, for some reason. Oh, that's okay. And then we get the finale, which is probably about 20 minutes long. <laughs> so much happens. There's so many reprises. Um... I do like the very, like the finale, like the very end of the finale, mm -hmm. where um, so much happens. Like so same, much happens. Same finale, because I like in the score for us, like finale didn't happen until like the actual finale, which is the part I really like. Because mm -hmm. like there's like there's something called um, there's the Esmeralda reprise number two, uh, with which Frollo sings. There's so much. There's um, there's top of the world reprise. It just keeps going. Yeah. There's, oh, there's one, it's just called, um, oh, what is it called? I'm gonna look it up. Because it goes on forever. Uh, there's like, oh, there's the Yudets Crederes, uh, that's like a choir piece. Mm -hmm. I can't wait, it's like, it's the piece where, it's the, like the whole section where uh, Quasimodo 
free uh, breaks out of his chains and then saves mm-hmm. Esmeralda, and then Phoebus and Clopin rally and like, you know, save people. He seems someday really dramatically. Yeah, goes on for a while and then that. Oh, then they they oh oh yeah. Then it ends with Quasimodo dropping the the lead. Yeah, that that is a fun part. I because remember I, I was the understudy and I had mm-hmm. to learn that part. That was the hardest part to learn. Was that like his that that section of music right there but it was it's really good i really loved that part it was just took forever to learn because it, it's <laughs> it changes keys like 20 times in like 10 measures but yeah yeah that's, that's the music oh and then it ends with this um yeah, yeah. this uh with a reprise of someday uh and then of course it goes back into uh, bells notre dame and those that those two are my favorite parts in the score that's where i really like someday is exactly i like it at the I end i don't like the duet, the duet yeah, i'm no. not a fan of no but at the very <laughs> end, the end everyone's Oh, that's so gorgeous. That, that is that's, gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And when I hear that, that's when I cry. Yeah. That's what, especially because having done it, I remember closing night, I was off, I would go on stage and then bring Phoebus off stage and they would sing it and mm-hmm. come out. And that's when I started crying closing night was right there. Mm-hmm. So anytime I hear that, I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to sing in this show one day. Like, yeah, yeah I want to be in the choir. It's a great show, man. bit of um speed round i guess okay favorite role uh clopin and mine would be quasimodo yeah song i'm gonna say the bells of notre dame okay i'm gonna change what i have written down i know right i'm going with bells of notre dame and see i put someday but like i want to clarify that it's someday at the end someday <laughs> so the someday reprise yeah, the finale finale yeah because i just really love mm-hmm. the choir part there Best things about it? The music, obviously. Yeah, yeah, definitely music. the music. This story is, you know, it's whatever. I'm really happy that, obviously, Victor Hugo wrote it, and mm-hmm. that we have yeah. Notre Dame Cathedral, but as, as a show itself, like, that's why you do it, is to, for this music. Yeah. Worst things about it? Uh, it drags in places, especially in Act 2, um, a little bit in Act 1, but... Like I said, the story's not especially tight or even particularly compelling. I mean, the story of Quasimodo is the most compelling thing about mm-hmm, it. Yeah. But the whole Phoebus Esmeralda bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's not... I never cared about that. No, not at all. It's like, I care about Quasimodo wanting her and not having her, but I don't care about the reason why. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and the other thing that's really a negative thing about this show is, like we talked about before, is that because it came from that Disney movie background... People are judgy of it. Yeah. I, I fall into that sometimes. You know what I yeah. mean? Because it just feels like it's, it's not as serious an attempt as something like Sweeney Todd. But it is. Yeah. It totally is. And so I think that that prejudice is going to hold it back from some things. I mean, obviously, it's going to be completely open for community theater like we talked about. And yeah. I've already seen two productions, so. Yeah. And that's just in, you know. It's only been out for, what, 
like a year oh, and a yeah, half or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as soon as it was released, people were chomping yeah. at the bit to do this show. So it just means that there's going to be a lot of bad productions of The Hunchback of Notre Dame out there. Oh. Out there. <laughs> out there. <laughs> but part of them and out there living in the sun Give me one day out there All I ask is one To hold forever out there Where they all live unaware What I give What I dare Just to live one day Because it wasn't, you know, on Broadway or anything, it didn't win any awards. Yeah. You know, we can't really talk about that. And the stars attached, we already mentioned uh, Michael Arden, who went on to direct the Deaf West Spring Awakening. And um, and then Patrick Page played mm -hmm. Frollo. And he's doing a star turn right now in Hadestown yep. as Hades. And so I love his voice. I think it's so perfect for Frollo. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. Well, it also, though, is CRNA as, um... Mm -hmm. As uh, Esmeralda, she. Um, what else has she done? I don't. I'm she not was the first her. replacement for leading player. Oh really? That's all I can think of that she's done. But I know she's done. I know there's more on her resume. Okay. I don't know if she's originated originated anything else. Yeah, I'm not. Like I said, I'm not really familiar with her. But uh, I, I I know her name because I was supposed to see her when I saw Pippin. Mm -hmm. But she I saw her understudy. Okay. Was she still good? The understudy? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't Patina, so I didn't care. Yeah. Like it, like that was I, I like I would literally went there and I was like, I don't care who this Ciara is. You're not Patina, so I don't care. <laughs> and so when it said understudy, I was like, whatever. Okay, I was like, whatever. Yeah. It's not Patina. Anything else you want to say about the show? Um, I don't know. I think that's pretty much it. It's Hunchback. Yeah, we like it. I think Ian likes it better than I do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I and I, I think I like it. Like I don't think it's the best thing ever, but personally, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't like I it's flaws don't bother me. That's okay. That's how I feel about Newsies, which we'll talk about eventually, which is another Disney one. Ian's shaking his head because we got an argument last night about Newsies. I'm tired of Newsies. Yeah. I just did well, it. He just finished Newsies, and I've never actually done a production of Newsies, so. Well, it just came out. Sure. But it feels like we've seen a million productions of that as well. That's true. I'm about to see my third in a couple weeks. Ugh. You gonna come with me? Maybe. I just, I'm tired of it. Like, I don't, I don't want to see Newsies for another year. What's your favorite Disney musical? Do you consider Hunchback in the, you know, the same vein as other Disney musicals? Or, you know, do you see it as something separate? We'd be interested in hearing your opinion on this. And have you seen a local production of Hunchback already? As we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can email us your answers at bwayt at gmail.com. That's B-W-A-Y-T-E-A -A at gmail.com. Yep. You can also find us on Instagram at bwayt. Same. Same way it's spelled. Or on Facebook, Spilling the Broadway Tea. And mm -hmm. the Facebook like address is actually facebook.com backslash bwayt. So it's the same everywhere. We really like uh, you commenting and stuff on our pictures and mm -hmm. sharing so that other people can find the podcast. We're having a, a blast with yeah. the podcast and hearing everybody's you know input and stuff and if there are any shows that you want us to cover let us know and we will look into them yeah, what are you excited about this week Ian 
musical theater? Um, well, we're getting closer to June 7th. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hades Town soundtrack. Hades By the time this Town. is released, Cash it will recording. be out. And we it will, will have be, listened yeah. to it into the ground. Hades Town, absolutely. Yeah, we were so ready for that. I'm still excited for um, uh, Moulin Rouge. Yep. I want more information on it. Yep. Our friend is going to see Hades Town again, and he promised, he got us a playbill last time, but he promised to get Amber Gray to sign it for us this time. I love Amber Gray. So. Uh. I know. So, yeah. Oh, did you hear that they canceled the Magic Mike musical? Really? Yes. Tom Kitt and Brian Yorkie backed out. Oh. Uh-huh. And there was, like, creative differences. And then Boston was going to keep going with it and, like, just hire new people or whatever. And then they decided not to, and they canceled it altogether. So it ain't happening. Well, I wonder what Tom Kitt and Brian Yorkie are working on. You know what I just recently discovered? What's that? Tom Kitt was the musical advisor and, like, arrangement advisor for SpongeBob. Really? Yeah. I was, I was listening to it, um... Because we were planning things for a camp uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to be working on. And uh, one of the shows we're do pulling from is Spongebob. And so I was like, oh, because right. look, it's not a good show. But it has some really good music. Because it's written by, like, top name, like, artists. Right. Like, there's a Panic at the, at the Disco song. Mm -hmm. There's a Cerebrella song. So a lot of the music is really good. And so I was like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go listen to this. And I was looking at the cast album picture. And I saw Tom Kitt. And I was like, wait a minute. What did you do for this? And he, I think he arranged it, mm -hmm. and he was like, he supervised that all the songs were like cohesive, I guess. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Tom Kit. And the last thing I'm excited about is the finale of Fosse Verdon. Oh, yeah. I have been so into this. Ian's behind a little bit. He needs to catch up. I am. I'm too behind, I think, now. No, you're not. You can catch up. What are you going to do this week? I'm still too behind. Oh, I thought what you meant. Oh too. no! Like T O O behind. I was like, I was like, this is a fact. Like I am too, <laughs> too behind. T W O. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good, and yeah, finale is this week. Yeah. I'm not gonna get to see it. I'm gonna be out of the country. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I know. Shut up. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We hope you'll have a great week. Bye. Bye.